Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to Surviving My Podcast. A survivor podcast about living with dissociation, anxiety, and PTSD in support of all who have survived the trauma of abuse. Join me as we heal together, raise awareness, and inspire everyone to survive, thrive, and conquer their past. Greetings, everyone, and this is Surviving My Podcast. My name is Matt, your host right back here for another validating and inspiring edition of the show. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm always stoked to have you here as we rock our survivor journey together. If you are a first-time listener, I'm glad that you found the podcast, and it's my sincere hope that you'll feel supported, encouraged, and filled with the realization that you are not alone in your journey. Be sure and check out some of the other podcasts and head over to survivingmypast.net for blog posts, videos, and much more in support of all who have survived the trauma of abuse. If you're a returning listener, you guys rock. You're amazing. Thank you so much for the support and encouragement and helping to spread the message of hope that we promote here. Today, I'm joined by special guest and author, Julie Coons. Julie wrote the book, This Does Not Leave This House, a story about growing up with an abusive mother, surviving sexual assault, and escaping an abusive relationship. Julie is here with me today to talk about her book and share some of her experiences as a survivor in hopes of reaching as many as possible with her story to help inspire hope and validate all who have endured similar struggles. So without further delay, let's welcome her into the podcast. Julie, what's shaking? Thanks for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing good, Matt. Thank you so much. I'm humbled and honored to be here with you today. It's an extreme pleasure for me to be able to talk to you and help share your story with everyone. So. Um, I think it's going to be a great podcast, and, and I'm really anxious to learn more about you and share your story with all the listeners. So uh, let's kind of jump right in. And one of the first questions that I have for you is simply, um, what was your inspiration for writing the book? Oh, boy, there's just so much that I have lived in one lifetime. I remember writing a section of the book, and I thought, how does one person experience so much in one lifetime? But really, for me, my inspiration was I wanted to inspire others to want to break the cycle of abuse for their families. I was, um, luckily, I was able to escape abuse in my life, and I broke the cycle of abuse for my daughter and hopefully generations to come. And I want to inspire others, you know, to do that as well. Absolutely. And that's so important for survivors. Uh, no matter what type of abuse that we've endured, one of the biggest things that we want to do is break that cycle, you know, not only for ourselves, but for our family and future generations. So I'm just so anxious to learn more about this. So where did the name of the book come from? Like, how, how did you decide on the name? This does oh, not boy. leave the house. That was easy. Um, that was something that my father used to say way too often to us kids. It was me and my brother. I have an older brother, three years older than me and my abuser was my mother and I just recently realized my mother was narcissistic parent I mean she fits every single example and my dad 
used to say, this does not leave this house to us kids. In other words, you don't tell anybody about this. You keep this here. This is our family secret. Nobody needs to know what happens here. Heard it all the time. And so I thought, what more fitting than to name my book, This Does Not Leave This House. You know, you and I were talking before the show and you had mentioned that you were listening to one of the other podcasts that I did on a narcissistic abuse when I had interviewed uh, Lisa Romano. And that had given you kind of a revelation that your mother, you know, may have been a narcissist. And it's always interesting. Um, you know, that podcast is, uh, it, it validates so many people and opens up so many eyes um, and minds to, you know, what the parents may have been in your case. And of course, I can certainly relate to, you know, a parent who, who was a narcissist and treated us in that way. And, you know, for so many of us, one, one or both of the parents or somebody else in the household said that exact same thing. You know, this does not leave this house. Don't tell anybody. Uh, you know, we don't want to damage the family name or, you know, put people in our business and all that. So it's really a way, I mean, that's a type of abuse all, all in and of itself right there is just trying to hide that secret that, you know, you've had to keep for so long that it can be very traumatic. So I completely understand where you came from on the name of that book. Thank you. Would you like me to expand a little bit of what I'm talking Absolutely. about? Yeah, go ahead. Sure, go ahead. Okay. Well, basically, it was more mental than physical. Everything was about her. Um, she gave me life, so I owed her. Kids were to be seen and not heard in, in my childhood. Um, don't embarrass us, in other words. Um, she never apologized to me for anything ever and she could be just horrible um to me um she was always the victim she used to like now this is creepy but it's so true she used to like to whisper in my ear how she's i was going to find her dead when i got home from school that day and it freaked me out i was a little girl that needed a mom and it she got the biggest reaction from me, so I think is that's why it continued with just me through the years. I mean, I remember through high school, she would pick a day, usually a big day in my life, like a pep assembly, and um, that was one of them, a pep assembly right before a major state championship, and uh, she whispered that to me in my ear before school. I called her on my lunch break, no answer, ran all the way home to make sure she was okay and she had gone shopping, and I missed the pep assembly. So just mind games like that um, that were frequent. I eventually resigned myself to the fact that she was mentally ill and unable to love me, um, but I was always constantly trying to please her. Oh, and she denied everything. I mean... You know, I never did that, and I never said that was constantly heard. Um, I remember one time there was a fair, Oregon State Fair. I live in Oregon, um, and I was given some money to spend on rides and food and things like that, and I spent the entire time looking for the perfect ring to buy her, and I ended up buying her uh, a ring that I really liked. It's just a cheap fair ring, you know. Got to the car. And she gave it back to me. She goes, no, you keep it. And I go, but mom, I, I spent my fair money, you know, on this for you. I want you to have it. And she said, no, you, you, you have it. 
And years later, I realized, oh, she didn't want it. It's not an expensive, you know, jewelry store ring, and it probably would turn her finger green, you know. And another time, I climbed a hill to buy these pretty blue, or to buy, to pick these pretty blue flowers. I think they were called bachelor buttons. I brought them home, and uh, she gave them back. No, she didn't give them back. She threw them in the garbage. She said, these are weeds and I'm not keeping these. And, uh, you know, I, she was critical, too, of everything. I I wasn't pretty like her. Um, she called me fat, and I look back on pictures of me when I was little, and I, I wasn't fat. You know, I was just a sickly little girl that needed a mother to love me. Um, and that's that's what I grew up with. So I just realized lately, oh, she kind of fits the mold of a narcissistic mother. So that kind of helps a little bit for me to to put a label to it. Talking with Julie Coons, the author of This Does Not Leave This House. And and I got to say, Julie, uh, coming from someone um, who has been in, in a similar circumstance and knows a little bit about narcissism, your intuition seemed to be pretty much spot on. Um, everything that, that you described is unfortunately so common with with you know survivors um of nar- narcissistic abuse and other types of abuse where a parent you know plays the guilt trip and always tries to stay in your head and ruins your fun and you know doesn't like the gifts you give them and all of these things and so much more so you know again i got to say those feelings you have seem to be pretty much spot on from where i'm sitting so i i just want to validate you on that cuz i know it's a recent revelation that you've kind of you know started the process and everything so as far as the book goes, um, you know, we know it's about, you know, living with an abusive mother and, um, you know, escaping an abusive relationship and sexual assault. So tell us a little bit more about the kind of abuse that you experienced, if you're uh, comfortable with that. Oh, of course. Well, let's see. I used to call my childhood an experiment in terror because I never knew what was worse. Going to um, school, which I went to Catholic school in the 60s. And um, what is worse, going to school or coming home to my mother? You know what I'm saying? I mean, which is worse? And it was a toss-up some days. Um, Unfortunately, I was left-handed, and that was really frowned upon. And so I have really horrible memories of, well, Catholic school in general, but not, you know, not just me being abused, but watching other kids, and I'm super empathetic, and it just, breaks my heart to see somebody else going through abuse. I used to get tied down to my chair, um, you know, the chairs that are attached, you know, the desk and the and the seat attached. They'd put my left arm down um, and tie me with a rope to the leg of the chair and then put everything, pencils and crayons, in my right hand. And I'm just so completely left-handed, I just couldn't do it. And it wasn't because I was being obstinate or not trying. I really tried because they scared me. You know, these nuns look scary for one thing. Um, I've heard people refer to them as penguins, but penguins are cute little animals. And these animals were anything but cute to me. They just scared me to death. And um, Mother Superior would... Uh, drill a hole, holes in this little paddle game, you know, with the ball on it. Well, the ball always broke off, so they kept the paddle and drilled holes in it. Tell you to grab your ankles, and they'd whack you on the butt. Um, 
ridiculous things they would never get away with today, I would hope. I mean, I would never send my child there. I'm sorry to, you know, I'm not trying to rip on the Catholic faith. I have a strong faith in God. Um, but I just don't agree with the way they treated kids back then. See, I was I was brutally raped in college by someone I didn't know. Then I went on to marry an abusive man. I mean, not really that shocking. It's almost like I married someone like my mother. And uh, I had a cousin that tried to rape me. And it just seems like a lot just listening to me say it. And I am a very happy, content person today, but I sure went walked through a lot of fire to get here. But I'm I'm proud that I managed to break the cycle for my daughter. I um, I have a granddaughter now, and I see the results. I see the benefit, and it's almost like I swung the pendulum too far to the right by not disciplining her enough, my daughter but I see her bringing it back into balance with my granddaughter. And uh, it's just such an inspiration to see. You know, I just really want to validate you and hearing all the things that you've endured. um, You know, you are truly an amazing survivor and everything that you've been through um, was just tremendously difficult and traumatic. And the fact that you're here today and you're, you know, able to stand on your own two feet and you're making a difference and you're writing this book is just, it's incredibly encouraging out there to everyone who has been where you are in any type of similar circumstance, anyone who's trying to kind of put their life back together to move on from all these different types of abuse. And, you know, I have a feeling um, as we get more into this book and we, and we talk about it more that everybody who reads it is just going to, you know, shake their head and say, yes, I can relate to that. I know what you mean. I've been there. I've done that. I've seen that. And I think that's really what it's all about when you're doing the type of work that you're doing and sharing your story and writing a book, this to really just put everything out there in the open and, you know, kind of expose the secrets and all the things that you've been through. It just really is going to validate so many people. So I just want to validate you and encourage you and really almost applaud you and give you a big hug because you're doing so many great things. Oh, thank you so much, Matt. Oh, that touches me so much. Just gives me more inspiration. I have an editor. I, I decided, you know, I need someone. I'm not a writer. I need someone to give it a second look and she's like oh my god girl your book is like going on a roller coaster ride you know (laughs) and uh, she goes it just got something for everybody in it and there's just so much I said oh my goodness Uh, you know I I hope that I can help somebody else I once had an experience I I want to share um that just popped into my head I used to work in the emergency room um as an admitting clerk and they brought in a girl from a local university who had been raped, who had been brutally raped like me. Um, Boy, I could see myself in her and I walked into her room and she was hysterical. And I said to her, the worst thing I probably could have said at the moment was, I know what you're going through. And she goes, you get out of my room. You don't know you. How dare you? You know, and I I get it, you know, and I said, I, I understand. I want you to know that I have a similar experience, very similar, and I'm here for you if you need to talk. And boy, she grabbed my hand and wouldn't let me go. And I was able to, you know, stay there with her. I'm getting emotional. It was good to help her. 
it meant the world to me. And it almost made my trauma, it made the hell of what I went through meaningful. You know, it gave it some meaning because I was able to legitimately reach out and say, I get it. I lived it. Take my story and heal from it. And that's what I'm hoping to do. I'm hoping to be able to eventually someday, um, I've not really figured out how I'm going to do it yet, but um, I want to be an inspirational speaker. I want to travel the world and talk to people and spread the message to help end the cycle of abuse. You hear so much where people do not, you know, like I watch Dr. Phil and I swear to God, it's always, they did not break the cycle of abuse. And I want to say, no, this is, this is important. You need to break this cycle for your family, you know, and generations to come be the hero in your family. What could be better in this whole entire world than that? You know, being a survivor yourself, and of course, I'm one as well, and so many that listen out there, it's always so important for us to try and find some kind of a meaning, you know, to what happened and, and why we went through what we did and all the circumstances around it. And of course, nobody ever wishes to go through any of that. I mean, that's certainly not the, the case. But, you know, when you can use that traumatic um, set of circumstances that you've been through and that you're able to sit with someone and just let, you know, let them vent and be a listening ear and actually be able to just kind of get it and understand where they're coming from is just incredibly, incredibly uh, validating and, and helpful and reassuring to that person. I know I've heard that those similar types of things before when I've talked to survivors and, you know, they sit there and they say, nobody's ever shared my story. Nobody's ever listened to me. Nobody's ever given me a platform. Nobody understands. And then when they talk and they realize that there are people out there who have been through this kind of hell and they've survived and they've managed to really overcome all of this. And even though, you know, as I always say, healing from trauma is a lifelong journey. When you have somebody who's on your side and somebody who gets it, it's just one of the most amazing things in the world that you can give to somebody who's, who's just been through it or is just trying to understand what happened to them. So, you know, the fact that you were able to sit there with that young girl and just listen and talk and, be a friend. It's, I mean, I, you know, as you said, it just meant the world to her. And I think that's one of the great things that's going to be about your book. One of the great things that's going to um, come of you being a speaker and, you know, doing other things that you have in the works, um, which we'll get to, um, is just really understanding that nobody's alone. You know, nobody who has survived trauma ever needs to feel alone. And even though that we are often feeling like we're alone for a long time, when you can find somebody who gets it, it's really life-changing. Absolutely. I mean, in so many things that have happened in my life, I felt so completely alone. Um, it's just, you don't, you can't imagine another person going through it, or you hope another person would never go through it, not to sound too dramatic, but boy, there were times, you know, there, there were times where I just couldn't imagine, you know, I, I, um, when I was a little girl at two years old, I had uh, nephritis, it was called, um, kidney infection, kidney disease. Um, I was told that I would probably never have children. I would need a kidney transplant someday. Um, just illnesses that I've gone through now. I have chronic pancreatitis, no fun. Um, and you can't imagine anybody else going through it. But then there are people in the world that probably have worse things they're going through. And that just is heartbreaking. I, um, 
I'm kind of <laughs> bouncing around here, but when I was 15, I had an out-of-body experience. I became very ill from a kidney infection. I became septic, and I remember hearing the doc, hearing the nurse say, "Doctor, we're losing her in in a trauma room um, at the hospital." All of a sudden, I'm floating up in the corner, watching them. And I'm like, wow, this is awesome because I'm not in any pain anymore. I am bathed in warmth. I am loving this. This is amazing. Then I was jet propelled, like blasting into a brick wall back into my body. But what happened after that was I was cured. I never had another kidney infection. Can't explain it. But just experiences like that, you know, you you think you're alone because nobody believes you, number one. Back in, you know, Let's see, that would have been 15, it was 1975. Do you think one single person in that room believed me? No. They said, you're hallucinating. You're sick, you know. And um, it's just incredible, the, the experiences. And I'm, I'm really feel that it was healing for me to write this book. And I'm glad I did it. And I hope now I can help other people. And I'm sure you definitely will help so many um, others. I know when you were just talking about having that out-of-body experience, uh, the first word that came to my mind was um, dissociation. And I know for many survivors, and myself included, in my case, you know, while, while the abuse was actually happening, I would be able to kind of float above myself and see what was going on. Because as you know, with um, dissociation, and you know, maybe for those who aren't as, as uh, familiar with the term, one of the things that happen or that can happen in the middle of trauma is that, you know, your mind is trying to protect you from the trauma because it knows that you can't handle it. So it takes you away to another place. And sometimes people have mentioned kind of floating up in the air or being separated from their body and then like instantly coming back after some amount of time. And, you know, that may be something that you went through, perhaps not. It's just kind of something that popped into my head. Um, but, you know, I think it's just it's incredible when we look back and understand what we went through and the ways that our body helped us cope and the ways that our faith helped us cope and our minds and everything about us that somehow found a way to pull us through every one of those circumstances and, and help us get to where we are today. And in your case, um, you know, just in, in, in such an amazing place of writing this book um, and helping so many people and sharing your story a little bit here today. So a little bit more here. So um, you have this book now, which um, is currently being edited, as you mentioned. And um, if it's not live or uh, published yet, once we, um, uh, put this po- this uh, podcast up. I'll be sure and put links in the in the broadcast afterwards and in the show notes. What plans do you have in the future, if any, for possibly um, uh, some other books? I definitely have more books in my in that little brain of mine. I have, <laughs> I have one that I'm about. Well, I actually started another book um, that hopefully will be done in a much quicker time than my first book. And I have a couple stories in my life I left out of my first book that I'm going to make another book. Yes, I have more to come. So that's exciting. I never thought of myself as a writer, you know, ever, never, ever. Oh, can I, can I say one thing about that disassociation thing? It kind of got me. Because when you were talking about that, another light bulb came on in my head. I mean, I'm still a work in progress, healing as I go as well. Um, helping others helps me too, you know, but when you talked about that, leaving your body, I know during my rape in college, I disassociated. I left my body. I know it. I know I did. It just is like 
I left my body, and then all of a sudden, because when he raped me, he said to me, he held a butcher knife to my throat, and he said, I'm going to rape you, then I'm going to kill you. I have no doubt he meant it. I, was, I said the last thing I should have said to him was probably the first thing out of my mouth, begged him not to because I'm a virgin, you know, which probably made me more of a prize. But I don't remember a lot after that. But then all of a sudden I came back and because a thought came into my mind, you're too young, you know, I was 18, you're too young, you've got more life to live and you've got one shot and you better make it count, girl, you know, so I gained every little ounce of courage I had and I need him right where it counted, Matt. (laughs) And it worked. I'm here, you know. That's a good story in the book. I mean, not a good story. I mean, it's a story. It's a, it's, it's pretty intense. It's a, I hope nobody goes through this story because I, uh, I ran through the dorm carrying my clothes naked to my friend Paul's room. He was a big football player at University of Oregon and pounded on his door at four in the morning. He opens his door to find his friend standing there naked, holding her clothes in her hands. And uh, by the time I could get it out, the guy was gone. That was it. But there's more to come in the book because the way I got treated at the hospital was pretty despicable, too. So that's all in there. But uh, that was another time I think I I floated away. I think it's our, our, our protection. Oh, absolutely. It is. Yeah, I firmly believe that it is our protection. Um, and, you know, you mentioned having a faith in God, and I'm sure that, um, you know, God was looking out for you. And it's just, I've heard so many other stories similar to yours, where people were were there in a situation thinking that, you know, their life might be over, and somehow something happened, you know, they got the courage to fight back, somebody showed up unexpectedly, something, something transpired to save you. And, you know, I firmly believe that you are here for a reason on this planet. And you mentioned, um, you know, about, you know, never thinking you were going to be an author. I, I used to think the same thing. And then I wrote an ebook and I have another one that's on the way. And, and I thought to myself, you know, nobody's ever going to want to read what I have to say. But as it turns out, you know, a whole lot of people are interested. And, and in your case, you know, once your book gets published, it's just going to be an incredible thing and really just validate so many people. And, um, you know, I'm really glad that you decided to write this first one. And I'm looking forward to bringing you back on some future podcasts to talk about the book once it's released and then, you know, your future endeavors and um, all these kinds of amazing things because your story is important and I'm happy to help you get the word out. Thank you so much, Matt. And I'm so humbled to be here. It almost feels like a dream to me. And if there's any one of your audience members that I helped today, then I feel so blessed because it healed me to help other people. It really does. And I'm just grateful you picked me to talk today. I, I really can't. It just feels surreal. It's amazing. Oh, it, it's my pleasure. It's my honor. You know, when you first contacted me through the website and asked me, I was checking out your story and I'm like, this would be an incredible podcast to have. So I'm so glad that you were able to come on and spend some time uh, with us today. So why don't we go ahead and wrap it up and maybe you can share um, where people will, will be able to find the book, perhaps if they want to contact you about more information, um, any social media you have, any kind of that good stuff would be great. Oh, boy, I didn't even think of that. Quite Okay, so I'm going to be publishing on Amazon, and I am on Twitter. My handle is Julie Coons one J-U-L-I-E, C as in cat, O-O-N as in Nancy, S. 
like raccoons. <laughs> One, I'm uh, Julie Heeman Coons on Facebook. I haven't built my um, author page yet on Facebook, but I'm hopefully getting to that today. Um, you can email me at juliecoonsauthor at gmail.com. And I'm sure there's going to be plenty more that I, I'm going to start doing some um, YouTube videos. My first one, this is cool, Matt. I got to share this real fast. Okay, so I'm going to talk about my rape. I'm going to talk about it on YouTube. I already have it all written out, but I want to memorize it, you know, so I'm not reading it. But I wanted to use Lady Gaga's song, um, Till It Happens to You, that touched me so deeply. But I don't want to infringe on any copyright laws or anything. So I found Diane Warren, who wrote the song on Twitter, sent her a tweet telling her, hey, can I use Lady Gaga's song that you wrote, you know, on my YouTube video? And I waited, and she never responded. So, oh, then, no, wait, two days later, she said, um, private message me and followed me back, and I about wet my pants. I couldn't even believe it. So I wrote her a message. And I said, well, this is what I want to do and try not to get all weird fan on her, you know, and, and um, it took her a week to get back to me. And so finally I got impatient and I tweeted her again. I said, did you have a chance to read my message? And she's like, oh, sorry. Yeah, you can use the song. So that's, wow, kind of that's awesome. <laughs> I'm going to use Lady Gaga's song in my YouTube video because Diane Warren said I could. That is so cool. And absolutely. And when you get, um, you know, your YouTube video um, up there and you have any kind of promotional, um, you know, social media or whatever, just let me know. I would be happy to help promote it because I think it's going to be a great book. And I uh, personally cannot wait to read it. So I'm excited. Oh, oh absolutely. Thank you so yeah. much, Matt. And bless you for helping me. I really appreciate it. Words cannot express how it's, much it's, I appreciate you. Oh, absolutely. It is my pleasure. It's my honor. Um, I'm going to go over on Twitter and follow you right now. So I encourage everybody else to do that, to check you out on Twitter, on YouTube, and stay tuned, um, you know, for when the book gets published. Uh, this does not leave this house. And that's, of course, by Julie Coons, who, who we've been talking to today. Uh, Julie, this has been amazing. Thanks again for joining me. And I cannot wait to uh, chat with you more again once the book is published. Thank you. It's been uh, my pleasure. Thanks again for listening to Surviving My Podcast, sponsored by survivingmypast.net, a blog about my life with dissociation, anxiety, and PTSD, and in support of all who have survived the trauma of abuse. This podcast or any resources sponsored by survivingmypast.net should not be considered as therapy or professional medical help. If you are in crisis, I encourage you to seek out the services of a mental health or physical health professional. I also encourage you to check out online crisis support from sites like rain.org, oneand6.org, and The Samaritans. If you would like to be a guest on a future podcast, just contact me anytime through email, matt at survivingmypast.net, or use the contact forms on the blog. Thank you again for your support and encouragement, and always know that you rock. Talk to you soon.